Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Can, 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 can. Some messages into this show just shock you to your core. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you can wave off the stuff that comes from scum around the country, as you know and as Pat Kenny knows. Yobs. But other times you just have to say, wow, this message has quite literally changed my life. Really? Coolin Walsh writes, and yes. Coolin. Coolin. C-U-L-A-N-N I've gone with Cullen Cullen I would say but C-U-L-A-N-N You'd say Cullen C-U-L-A-N-N I'm going to say Cullen But you know you You do you Is there a father on the U? There is not I mean maybe that is Cullen then In any case Cullen Walsh writes Hi lads Murph often quotes the undoubtedly hilarious rugby league commentary from your audio bed I can't speak etc by saying best club in the world you've heard me do it multiple times Ken. yeah just Castle, a, Castleford yeah just a quick note that it's he's the best prop in the world Pedant's corny corner entry ends cheers Colin Coolen in London let's run the tape oh, oh stay back stay That is what he's saying. He's the best prop in the world. How, how I mean, did it's you know? not even it's not it's not even like you know the blue dress controversy or something. You know what I mean? It's like so blatantly, obviously, he's, he's the best prop in the world. He's the best prop in the world. I, I don't mean, know how you ever heard it as anything else. Oh, you dickhead! Yeah, that's basically how I feel. I mean, <laughs> I've been getting that wrong for years. Yeah. It's not just months. It's not like oh, we played it for the first time. I got it wrong once. And Colin Coolen has helpfully gotten in touch to put me right. This this has been going on for years. Yeah, <sighs> it's tough. Yeah. See, this is it as well. Colin Coolen thinks that he's done me a favour, you know, and that I will thank him for it. But of course, 
he's corrected me on something blatantly obvious, so I hate him now. Well, I'm not. <clears throat> I would say thank you. No. Well, I mean, you might say it, but you don't mean it. I, well, I do mean it. I, I, well, you mean it because it's brilliant. It's brilliant for you and your agenda. Uh, I Constantly also, painting me as... I also thought it was best club in the world. That's only because I've been roaring it in your ear for the last three years. They don't... Do they say club in rugby league? Yeah, I think they do. do yeah, they? they do, yeah. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they definitely do. Yeah. But listen, I may not like you, Colin Coolen, but I do respect you. And that's... I should tell you a story, actually, Ken. Some friends of mine used to live with a guy called Dangerous Brian. Right? Dangerous. The danger only became clear after he'd had a few drinks and he got a little... He, he just went a little crazy, you know? Mm. But So he... Dangerous Brian uh, played scrum half for uh, like a pub rugby team. And uh, we went to see him play rugby. A pub rugby team? Yeah, yeah. Just like very low level. I've never know? heard of that. Yeah. It actually was out of a pub, uh, funnily enough, in, in uh, Drumcondra. Right. And uh, uh, we went to see him uh, play a game. He was playing scrum half. And the scrum halves are supposed to be lippy. You know what I mean? They're supposed to like be talking to their team throughout the game or whatever. I have never seen a display like this. Like he was shouting at people, roaring at them, abusing all of his teammates. At the end of the game, we were like, my God, your teammates, they must hate you. You know, like you just, you bully them, abuse them. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he said to us, they may not like me, but they will respect me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, that's, that's really, really something. So anyway, yeah. Simon forwarded me on Cullen Coolen's email on Friday evening. And obviously, when you receive news like this, you have to sit with it. You know, yeah. you have to just allow it to percolate a little. But by the time Saturday afternoon came and the first of 15 GAA championship games had begun... I had recovered my composure sufficiently and that is what we will be talking about on today and indeed tomorrow's show. We have Paul Flynn and Michael Murphy coming up today on all 10 of the football games across the four provincial championships this weekend. Listen to Jamie Wall analysing the weekend's hurling. The greatest sport that was ever played by any man. Then you'll have to join the World Service for a five or a month plus fat depending on where you are in the world. We think it's really, really great value. Why don't you sit with that, contemplate the pros and cons and come to the answer that you feel is right for you. On top, on top of all the GA and full coverage of a huge set of midweek Premier League fixtures. You'll also be able to hear a brilliant chat that you had, Ken, uh, last week with Sinead O'Shea, director of the exceptional Pray for Our Sinners, currently in cinemas around the country. The film tells the stories of people in Sinead's hometown of Navan throughout the 70s and 80s who became targets for the Catholic system of social discipline but decided to resist. Some of the archive stuff she found and plays in the movie is uh, really exceptional. Here's a clip of Gay Byrne taking a look at the following day's papers at the end of uh, The Late Late Show just as an illustration of the uh, often callous and unthinking way that stories of mother and baby homes, single mothers and children born outside of marriage were treated back then. girl dies giving birth in a field, my goodness me, and that happened in County Longford apparently. Uh, Welsh squelched to victory. What could you do with a prisoner's £443 a day? Nothing terribly exciting there. The movie is great. The chat we had with Sinead was great. So if you join the World Service, you'll have full access to every show we've ever done. The show we're doing right now, though, is on the weekend's Gaelic football. So let's get to that. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or 
anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Action in all four provinces this weekend. Two provincial final matchups sorted out. Mead in the, into the Talchin Cup and plenty else besides going on. So delighted to have Paul Flynn and Michael Murphy on with us today to try and talk our way through as many of the ten games played this weekend as we can. How are we getting on, lads? All good, yeah. All good. Good, good thanks, yeah. Yeah, good uh, it was a good weekend, I think. You know, there was uh, obviously when you have ten games, there's going to be enough uh, talking points. And I suppose the the place to start is the most high profile game. The game, the one game between two Division One teams that was in Connacht. So, Gole beat Roscommon by four in the end, and Paul showed a bit of maturity in closing out this game. There was a proper championship feel to this, and the the way that Gole were able to ride out the storm that hit them in the third quarter. And close it out pretty professionally in in the end is maybe the thing that Porrick Joyce will be happiest about. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think um, we've seen a consistency now to the performances Galway have been putting in, and obviously the league uh, final aside, it's it, it structurally they're really sound at the back. They've become a very um, varied and um, penetrating offensive team now, and he's added in, I suppose if that question did was there but it's also it's definitely something that you're going to need um, as the season goes on is that meant the strength and mentality the ability to be able to reset within a game when things are not going your way being able to regain control of it and you know sometimes you might have a bad first half 
you regroup at halftime and you come out and you can kind of get things going because you've the opportunity then to, to look at what's going wrong and try and fix it. But for the players and for the management, it's a collective thing to be able to do that in-game. isn't easy. Like you felt the, the, the atmosphere uh, in, in the Hyatt yesterday, full capacity crowds, all of them primarily mm. um, showing for the Rossies. And they're able to then just regain composure through possession, nothing fancy, regain composure through a marked score from Tierney um, and then and, um, a follow-up score from Tierney actually, you know, after Murtis and just to get them back into the game, you know. Um, so I think that's the big learning for them. I think that's the, the, the real positive. Uh, in the first half, they were great. Like Ross Common were well set up, but they were finding homes, finding finding holes with um, patient build-up but penetrating runs. Comer was fantastic, excellent. Dylan McHugh coming from from deep. Um, they're they've they've got a really decent midfield now with Devine Lamar and McDade coming back. So like in the balance of things, they they're in a really really solid place um, and a team that will have all the ingredients essentially now and that was one that was you know that that that, that mentality to be able to 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 press reset was 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 fantastic yesterday do you see a lot of similarities between Damien Comer and how you played the game Michael like what 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 makes Comer um as effective a player as he is at this level yeah i suppose he's he's the ball sticks with them, you know, with whatever way. I think that's been used quite a lot over the weekend with certain players about ball sticking, you know, inside. He shows hard, he can run ball high, he can run ball low. And then, in general, he's just aggressive with his first, first four steps then. We see that with with, with, with Conal Callaghan a lot too, don't we? That he once he gets the ball, his first movement is towards goal, not towards point, towards goal. And, and things open up then, whether that's, handy or easier scores of points you know he scored three in that first half they were very much carbon copy coming on out that left yeah. side and just hitting it over that right foot so he was he was extremely good in that way um you know we'd be probably waiting for him also too to have a consistent run of games there seems to be every every time that he seems to get up and running and you're like wow this man's ready going to tick take take over things here he seems to probably break down and body seems to break down in that regard but Listen, what what, what Galway have in their in their attack in their front six is is you know six fairly different types of of, of forwards. Um, small nippy, you know, pace and skill, hard working, and some of them big and rangy. And then you suppose you have Comer then inside as a, as, a, as a really strong focal point. So it was a really patient performance from him yesterday. You know, he doesn't shirk on the defensive responsibilities at any stage too, but. You know, Galway overall, just, you know, I just, I love Parik Joyce. I just, there's something about him. Um, his yeah. honesty and his, his interviews is really, really strong. And I think that the, the way that they're playing at the moment now from from 2 to 15, in fairness, Paul, you picked them out from day one as a, as a team to watch with All-Ireland. I'll, I'll give you kudos there on that one. But they're, they're playing like a Parik Joyce type player. You know, Parik Joyce, yes, was an unbelievable score getter. But he was smart, he was intelligent, he was a brilliant decision maker on the ball, and he was a competitive so and so too. Mm. And and I, I think we're seeing a lot of them traits on on Galway. After which much be said, you know, Park Joyce came on day one wanting to play full out attacking, expansive football. He's definitely adjusted, and I think we're seeing huge benefits of it here now. 
you want to try playing uh, club football against him, uh, Michael. <laughs> totally different level altogether when it comes to competitiveness, ruthlessness. I've spoken about it on the show j- before, just uh, an insane competitor. But you referenced Comer's uh, patience there. And is that a thing maybe that, that you didn't quite have to play the role that Damien Comer plays for Galway now in that, say, Comer probably went 15 minutes maybe without even touching the ball in the third quarter last uh, yesterday. Um, uh, but he kind of just says, okay, I, I'm just going to have to play my role here, uh, a deeper role, go go deep for kickouts maybe, but then get back up the field. And maybe you've said in the, in the past before that maybe patience was a thing you didn't have on the field. Yeah, I think if you, you've had it, yeah, it's just probably something I, I definitely struggle with. It's one of the the traits that I admire and and and, and forwards and top class inside forwards. I, I would have played with one in Colin McFadden, um, though all those times and more or less my whole career with Donegal, and as well as all them many attributes that they have in terms of technical abilities. That that's that's uh, how would you maybe say that more cognitive ability of being patient uh, was something that I really admired in them, something that I probably did struggle with m- myself, you know, and, and again, Comer, um, you know, exuded that yesterday. That doesn't mean to say that he, that he shirks any responsibilities around the field and stays stays lazy and stays up top, maybe like your, your typical maybe junior B footballer would, would do, but he um, he definitely showed that yesterday and he just gives that focal point and probably too for him, he trusts everybody around. He knows that, you know, a, a, a Tierney and a, and a Heaney are going to be there doing that work from in the half forward line. Shane Walsh is probably going to drop deep a lot of the time and do that work and he'll be that creative influence for him too. So the parts of the jigsaw are always all there for Galway uh, to make Comer feel comfortable at home and be there. And let's face it, he's going to take up one of their key man markers. Connor Daly had to move on to him yesterday it probably wouldn't have been a move that that maybe Roscommon would would on a on a normal place do, but they, you know they have to you have to move your pieces around probably to pick up Comer in the edge of the square, which maybe leaves freedom for for other players around that Galway attack. Ian Burke uh, made basically his seasonal bow uh, yesterday, Paul, and I just I love the guy as a player. Um, his hands are exceptional. He makes the right decisions on the ball more often than not. But looking at the balance, as Michael has discussed there, of that Galway forward line, do you think going forward against the best teams, Galway can play four of, you know, or all four of Finnerty, Comer, Shane Walsh, and Ian Burke? Or will it have to be three of those four um, to make sure that the balance is kept correct between kind of the, the legs you need and also the scoring ability and the sort of the ability close to goal to create goal chances? The beauty of what they have now is options. That's what all. That's what you, you know, really want as a manager is to be able to okay identify who we're playing against, what's the defensive structure, and what are we going to be able to exploit, and who do we need to do, who, what, who do we need in that role to do that, and what Burke does probably it's it's one of those I think you either have this or you don't. It's very hard to 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 coach. It's 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 his elusiveness. It's his awareness, and that's. It's just you don't coach elusiveness and awareness, you know, like that well in the GA. Um, and he has it. And to be able, but for, for, it's all well and good having that against a system like Ross Common yesterday, where there's plenty of bodies around. Everybody around needs to understand that he's got that, that ability and the good hands because he made some runs yesterday. He didn't even get separation from his man, right? But he was just a yard ahead and he got a hand pass into the 
D area, which was quite congested. And that was what ended up opening them up. You know, and they, they, that means that you've got alignment and cohesiveness between your whole forward unit. And that's what they need to have. And whether it's, there's a game where Finity is more suited, where we just want to exploit space on the wing and get him cutting in and creating scores or getting scores on the loop. You have options now, and that's the beauty of it. Um, and look, Shane Walsh yesterday had a you know indifferent role for him. Like you know, he wasn't the main man, and he was fine in that role. He was comfortable with it. He wasn't forcing things, and that shows to me a maturity just in the overall system that they realise that there's going to be days when Comer is going to be the one who's going to step up. There's going to be days when this is going to suit Burke to come in and find the holes. And equally, there's going to be days when Finland is just going to have to come in and kick three points. So, like, we had that with Dublin for for years. That you, you just had to bow to the fact that the system supersedes any one individual. And that's what good teams are able to do. And you're not always afforded that opportunity. You don't always have the resources. But all we uh, currently do. Burke's definitely unconventional, isn't he? As a as a as a corner forward, you look at him, you see him wearing number thirteen. You think, yeah, small, nippy forward is going to torment you and score. You know, two three. You know, he's he's a playmaking small corner forward. If yeah. that makes any yeah. sense, it's, what, it's, what it's he actually cool. is in we in in a weird way is a ball winner. You know, in that like the the you you kind of expect him to to be feeding off someone, but actually people feed off Ian Burke, even yeah. though he's like you know five foot eight or whatever, and you know probably eleven stone dripping wet. But like he is, yeah. But he has a bionic left hand. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that he may not kick spinners from forty five yards out? He may not turn a lad and leave him for dust. But by God, you turn him on his left hand. From anywhere inside the forty-five, he can pull it over the bar. <laughs> what was that all about? Yeah, Anthony Malloy had a first pass in the ninety-two All Ireland. I think it went from forty-five to forty-five. Ian, Ian Burke matched <laughs> yesterday down the height, hundred percent. Yeah, bizarre. I didn't uh, know what was happening. I was like, "Is this a hand pass score from outside the at the angle around twenty-one yards out? All his momentum was going the other way, so we yeah. had to generate all the power." Anyway, absolutely sums sums them up. Like, I mean, you can get that ball to, I would go, 99 out of 100 mm. players. They're taking their man on to go for goal. They're clipping it over with the left. They're solo dummy and coming back in on the right foot. Like, the last option there was a was a fussed score, like, you know. And, and that's, what, that's what offers that bit of difference. And when you're playing against a, a blanket defence, you're playing against a teams that are you know, systematic and they're, you know, they're pattern focused. He, he offers you that, that, that spark of something potentially different, you know? Yeah. But like, I just will say, like, I'm sorry, Murph, but like the, the, um, if you, in case you move off, go away. Like it has to be known in relation to their kickouts. They are, they have not nailed this. And like, the funny thing is with the system, the way it is now, you haven't got loads of time, like to be able to spend on this. And if they did spend time on it, because they made they had a bit of a gap there previous to this game, um, and Bernie Power was the answer. I'm not sure whether he is. I'm not well, and it's not just on the goalkeeper. Kickouts is about the overall movement, the overall um, design of the kickouts, but also the movement of the defenders to be able to help them out. And I just didn't see it yesterday. Like you know, their own return was shocking. Um, you know, sixty percent, but the long and the long was fifty five. Didn't win any of Rossi's kickouts, so they just need to fo- focus in on that because it is an important part of the game. It's not everything, and sometimes you might think it is, but it's it's important, and you can't be dominated uh, on your own kickout. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Agree on that one. The they've shown yesterday. I think the stat was shown in the Sunday game last night. Once they got their hands on the ball, they they inevitably got a shot away. You know what I mean? And that was a crazy stat. I think it was something like it was a 20, 29, 30 attacks, and there was they got a they got a shot away in all but one of their their attacks. It, it seemed to show on it, and so it, it it highlights that importance of getting their hand on that their own kick out. Um, because when they do, inevitably they're showing with with the class that they have that they will get a shot away at the other side, and and with the class of those forwards, that that shot will will equal a score. You know, a lot of the time. Um, Ross Common surely Paul kicking themselves that they started so slowly in the in the first half, and it was kind of set up for them. You know, you, like the the TV coverage goes to the hide, and you're like. This, they are absolutely bowling for this game. Like the whole thing is just set up for Roscommon to, you know, whatever about maybe falling short on the football side of things, that they will give this absolutely everything. And then the first 35 minutes are just so flat from them. And, you know, we saw in the third quarter how raucous it could get. And they don't need much to, to get raucous and to get loud. Um, but for whatever reason, their team just was very, very flat in that first half. Yeah, and the one thing I'm I'm glad of is that they did have that purple patch. Although it, it, it means very little in the grand scheme of teams because they lost the game, but it just shows that they they still are a very very good team. All right, and like, like but, but putting that aside, for me, this was all psychological. This was a classic case of emotions getting the better of an of the group. Right, um, emotionally hijacked is a term we used to use with Dublin, where, where you, you just you're not playing in the present. You're you're thinking about maybe what could happen if you win. And then you get yourself into that space, you just, you're using the emotional side of your brain and you're not doing what you're planned to do. You're not sticking to the game plan. You're not as an individual in the present play. You're two or three plays ahead. And I know this is a small thing, but it's huge. It's signaled to me that when Comer got the goal, you call it opportunistic if you want, but he anticipated the ball hitting off the post. Connor Daly was running out to get a take up his position nearly. That's where his head was at. And they weren't in the presence. And like, so I look, you can overanalyze if you want, but for me, this was down to their emotional readiness for that game. So I think when they learn that, or if they learn that from this, they still have, you know, um, a decent season ahead of them. I think for us, common, they need to get through the group stages. And they need to get into, I don't even think a quarterfinal is enough for them to say that they've stepped up. Like They have to now have their sights on trying to reach a semi-final. And it's a big challenge for them. But if they did that, it could be deemed a, a, still a decent season. Mm. It'll be Sligo in the comic final. They dealt pretty ruthlessly with uh, New York uh, in the other semi-final in, in Connacht. Uh, Michael, you were uh, about 10 yards away from the Donegal warm-up uh, working for BBC Television on Sunday. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't quite uh, Jim McGuinness getting interviewed on TG Carr with Kevin Cassidy standing two yards away from him in 2012, that hilarious uh, <laughs> setup that we all remember. But it was, I'm sure, um, a fairly weird experience for you in Newry. Uh, yeah, certainly, it certainly was. Um, you know, coming into the first first game of an Ulster Championship, I guess since I started doing that that bit of work, the, the thing that I find that the, the trickiest, the most difficult is actually, and it sounds awfully petty or, or spoiled, probably saying it, is the actual, the parking up outside the venue and, and walking in. You know, mm. normally for 15, 16 <laughs> years, you've been used to the bus to be nearly separated from 
the crowds and the reality. But you know, coming in with them now, listen, it's it's a, it's nice in some way, but it's it's just a difficult experience in terms of just getting used to that maybe side of things and knowing that your your friends and your your mates, your former teammates, really up until the last year are, are about to go into battle in a in an Ulster Championship game that you that you, you love being part of. But ah yeah, listen, the the warm up thing was geez, I could, couldn't believe it. Just right right there, mm. a couple of couple of yards away. But um but yeah, listen, it, it, it's it's moved on. Yesterday you got wee pangs, yeah. It would be lovely to be out there, but I knew myself then pangs would probably come, but the part that really forced me to the retirement still was evident yesterday. And so far as I knew the energy and the the preparation and the drive that was needed to get ready for that, probably what are we in now? End of April, probably six months ago, seven months ago, the end of October, the beginning of November. That's when preparation started for 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 that game yesterday with Down, and and that's where I wasn't wasn't in the right right place to do so. Um, yeah, the thing moves on, and 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 Donegal moved on yesterday, albeit didn't move on in the way we would have all liked to here within the county, but. It, it, it moves on and pushes on, you know. Yeah, it's and it's a strange game to try and even look back on because for all that Donegal were probably second best throughout the game, the two frees towards the end, if both of those go over, um, it was Thompson first and then Patton, wasn't it? Um, you know, that, that has Donegal level, you know, and it's, it's for as I say, for all that down were the better team and for all that Donegal did look, you know, disorganised and you know, just, you know, not at kind of championship pitch at all, really, they could still have got out of there. They it they could easily have brought it to extra time and, and maybe have squeaked it in extra time. Yeah, listen, it was like, I mean, I know we go, when we, when we speak about this time of year and opening rounds of championship, we go back over league form and league, you know, patterns, you know, I suppose being, being brutally honest with Donegal, the pattern patterns weren't good like you know there was no patterns that you could hang your hat on really and say that's the one that's going to do damage in championship you know whether that was a defensive structure whether that was an a, an attacking pattern that you were saying yeah you know what they'll hang their hat, hat on that first day out against park Esler because championship will bring that you know champ if you don't have your your your, your pieces of your jigsaw fairly cemented in some way they're, they're going to be exposed and Realistically, Donegal got off to a dream start with a goal. Um, for Tuesday's goal, you know, sweeper and fullback Clyde and Jason McGee took took um took advantage of that and finished coolly with the left foot. And you know, they kind of they pushed out to a three point lead, but then at half time, um, level, you know, playing poorly, kicked a lot of ways, a lot of snapshots, and again, just no patterns. Again, I keep going back to their to, to their play in that. You felt it down, you know. You just felt bad and all and poor and all as they were. There was a a kind of a youthful or a, a, a you know exuberance around them in terms they were making mistakes just from the sheer want of trying to get over the line. Yeah. Um and the, there was a togetherness you felt around that and an energy energy in the stadium within it. And you know, once Donegal, that kind of moving period, once the down kicked one three, Donegal really only responded to a point, you know, I felt once that lead was taken by down, that there was really nothing Donegal could rely on in terms of past form to say that they were going to turn this around. And realistically, you know, the form of the league really transpired in terms of show, 
showing the performance that was yesterday. There was no real glimpses. Ashton Gallon coming in maybe for later down the line gives you a, a small spark of something, but in terms of the form of the league was carried to championship, you know. Are Donegal going to throw their hat at this, Michael? You know, it's you know it might have been a thing in Donegal's past, and maybe Jim McGuinness has ended that. But you know, there has been situations in the past that if there's an excuse there, Donegal teams have maybe taken it over the course of the last twenty five or thirty years. Is that a danger now for this Donegal team? Do you think? Um, I suppose you look at it very bluntly, Kieran. You know, and you, and you see, you know, you. Yes, the togetherness is, is massively needed, and a and a and a you know a, a tactical setup. As you can say, tactically they got things massively wrong yesterday. That wasn't the case, but you still also need you know uh, players. And there's through one thing or another, through injuries, through through players leaving, there there is a, a dearth there at the moment. Like I looked at the at the bench yesterday and. Uh, and one brilliant, it's great to see so many of them coming on to make championship debuts, but there was nothing really there that you were saying, right, this is what this player is going to provide to us here now. Um, and realistically, there's very little to come back in the way of injury, maybe possibly Patter Mogan to come in, who may have been an established player to come in now between now and the the the, the group stages. But, um, you know, in terms of the, that, that overall quality piece is something I think is going to be lacking. I, I don't see these these lads throwing throwing towels throwing towels in, you know, potentially get back with their, their clubs this week. And there's no blueprint on how to how to attack these 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 stages of four. But um yeah, listen, it's a, it's you know, are they going to make inroads quarter final set semi-finals? Listen, it's, it's it's very difficult to see. And and is it an opportunity to get ready for for next season again? You know, I hate saying that. It's, it pains you to say that. It's it's horrible to say that after you know being so strong for the last maybe number of years, or maybe maybe strong being the wrong word, but been fairly fairly consistent around these stages. Um, maybe that's something they need to look at in terms of getting that house in order and getting pushed on right. I know there's a review going on internally here. We finished up in the end of May, and you know all all sides of the, the house need to, to get an order and maybe push ahead towards next year, you know. That's a sad thing to say and we're only in April of one season, you know. Yeah. You, um, I mean, you look at Mayo getting a five or six week br- uh, break last, uh, you know, two weeks ago, Paul, and you say, well, you know, like, that might actually work out pretty well for Mayo, you know, whereas with this Donegal team, it's more like, God, if they could play the group stages in the next three weeks, I think they'd probably vote for that now. You know what I mean? They'd, like, it's it's... It's a cruel thing to say, but it looks like they would just want to be put out of their misery at this stage. Yeah, and look, like when you look at Mayo, everything is like depending on the the, the specific situation the team is in. Mayo, Mayo have a great structure in place, and they'll put the, they'll invest that time um, in preparing for the groups. But Donegal haven't fixed the issues. You know what I mean? Like they haven't probably even got to the real cause of it yet. And um, that's so it's it's an ongoing process that they have to go through. They have to. You know, get the alignment with the county board sorted first. Um, get their pro- football priorities sorted underage. Um, Carol Carol Lacey situation still not figured out. So, look, if they're going into the group stage and they were planning like more of said for next year, you'd like to you'd like to think that they had the under the underage system coming that you could just kind of blood a couple of guys and then get into it and then nearly know who's going to be manager next year. All these things are still. There's just too many questions at the moment, and that kind of came through, like you know, like in the way they played yesterday, you know. And the minute, like, 
they were kind of asked, are they pressurized? Are they seeing it down? Were, you know, a cohesive group, you know, not perfect, but they were all aligned and they were up for, you know, th- that just put them under enough pressure to kind of to see the cracks being separated, you know. So I think they just need to get to the root cause of first and they haven't done that. So it's a difficult process for Donegal. And they need to get the people like Jim McGuinness, like Morph. Like, they, they, there's so many football people in Donegal, and but they need to include them in the future. You know, and not be leaving them on the outside. So, um, a lot to play out there in that one. Yeah. Um, Armagh, on the other hand, appear to have rediscovered their uh, their mojo, and uh, Connor Turbot, Michael, <laughs> like, you know, there have been flashes. You know, there's oftentimes you see guys that come on as substitutes over the course of championship seasons. You're like, God, jeez, you know, that guy can do a job. You know, and you kind of presume, well, there must be something else going on here. But when it comes to Turbot, um, I don't know, was it on the BBC or an RT that said in the last three games he's taken 23 shots, he scored 20 points. Um, like, the guy is absolutely on fire, isn't he? Yeah. He, um, I've seen him now the last two two championship games and live, and he has a swagger about him. It, it feels like he he belongs like you know you just mm. feel like he belongs here he feels like he belongs here uh, there doesn't seem to be amongst their math following there doesn't seem to be any great surprise around this you know they, they, they they've seen this in action with them numerous times before and i'm racking up uh points his footwork's exceptional uh Brefney on saturday night was very very slippy the ground was firm but it was very very slippy balls were bouncing about Players were slipping and sliding and going everywhere. He was like a ballerina. His footwork was immense. He was chopping and changing. His last point, if he's got a chance to ever watch it back, there was a, a poor cabin defender, I can't remember, that came towards him to engage him. And he just subtly gave him a... And it was hard to describe. It wasn't a massive feint or a shimmy, but it was just a little shimmy of feet. Um, and the poor number 20 was less just gra- trying to grasp them air and he just stroked it over with his right foot um but listen he he definitely has has something there Faulkner w- was up against him on on Saturday night probably uh, listen he's brilliant he had a brilliant game in Alton Kelm in the league Faulkner did but for for, for that nippiness that Turbot possessed may, mightn't have been the perfect matchup for him and I'm sure he'll get harder you know assignments down the line Turbot but the one thing going for him is Mernon's back in there at 14. He's big. He shows for the ball. He's, you know, Comer-like in terms of presenting for the ball. Maybe his end end game isn't as strong as Comer's in that regard. Rian O'Neill is coming back and Nugent's back. So there's going to be heat still ticking away for Turbot uh, as we move down the, down the line. But he, um, listen, he's really, really strong. Kick seven there now and kicked eight first day out and, and doing it with ease, you know. Yeah, um, and when Armagh were good, I mean, I suppose, Paul, in the first half for the most part, but when they were good, they played the game at real pace, and we saw Down do it against Donegal as well. Um, that kind of, just like how important it is that when you're moving the ball in transition, that if you're not going to kick it, that you're at least eating up the ground with proper pace. And I think that like when Armagh moved the ball correctly, they're actually... a about the best team to watch, I would say, in the country. There's like they really do fling it around and they play it at breakneck speed at times. Just how important is it that you know when teams win uh, turnovers that they actually like that they attack, but really attack. Like they don't they don't mess around. They don't. They, it's not like 
I'll 80% go. It's like 100% everyone get forward. Yeah, no, it's like it's the ball speed or the, the transition, whatever you want to call it. It has to be quick. And it was so quick last year with Armagh. And that was like, we were always watching Armagh and I was like, it's like that they've evolved the game again. You know, like they've kind of started to take the best bits of like, okay, they can play a controlled attack or they can have their defensive structure in place. But now their transition speed and or the ball speed being so quick and a variety of kicking to the link, or kicking to the full forward line and running with intent um, is, is there. And we hadn't seen it in the league at all. Like I remember watching them against Kerry, and I was like, "What? Like what? Our my team is this? Like they just par- they just parked the bus essentially." And then even um, the first day out, they were decent, but they were in second gear, and you could tell. And I was just asking the question after watching that one, like, "Where is this kind of burst of energy going forward and that killer instinct?" And they showed it, like you know, and they have a lovely variety in their in their in their play too. You know, Eden Rafferty like brings that into intent right from the start. Like if he gets on a ball or in transition, he's he's phenomenal with the pace. Love watching him play football. Jamar Hall had a good game the other day. I love my part on him midfield. So they've got options there too. Reen O'Neill had a savage impact on the game when he came on from a nearly a little bit of like what Comer did yesterday, but that block was outrageous. Just his presence around the middle. Like so I think they've got a really good balance now. And with Turbot, he just allows Ryan now to float around, go wherever he wants, drift in if he wishes. So Armagh are, um, it's funny, they've kind of catapulted them to themselves right into the mix now, you know, into that top of tier two, another good shift, and you might even consider them into a tier one team. So um, cause they ha- just because of the resources they have and the way they played. So... Yeah, look, it's a funny couple of weeks for our man. Like, they'll know too that there's a lot of football to be played and even the provincials aren't the end of it. So I think um, I'm excited to watch them again. That's the thing. I look forward to watching our man now again. That's the type of play, they're, the way they're playing. They said, they said in the league, uh, our man, I suppose, all the all the, the, the talk coming out is, is they, they were playing the same way as they were playing last year. The, the league, they were not playing the same way as they were no, last no. year. Like, you know, last year out against Cavan, they played with two up top at all times. They, they defended with 15 the odd time, okay, but they played with a structure up top, which allowed them, when they had that ball, it allowed them a kicking option up the field. Um, and it kind of reminded me back to last year. We played them in the opening round of Ulster. Played really, really defensive, uh, Armada and that. But at the, the time we played them in Clonus in the, 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 the qualifier game that time, and I think it's, it's Armagh what they need to do and take a leaf out of what they did to Cavan in the first half. Now, their second half performance was, it must be said, was was tricky and difficult. And we're chatting about a kick-out coming mm. under pressure. I think, I'd love to see the stat, Armagh's kick-out retention on their own kick-out. I mean, they, they may have won two, I would say, in the second half. Cavan absolutely obliterated them. Um, and it's something they're going to have to look at. But Armagh need to go and take the game to every opposition. I don't know if they have the capacity to defend a team out, and I don't know if they have the capacity to win a game based on slowly moving the ball around the, the circumference and trying to figure out how to score. They need to go from the start and say, listen, we're going to go and win this game on the front foot. We're going to kick it, we're going to play it, and we're going to go at 100 mile an hour. Um, and I think with that, when they play with that shackles off type of approach, they're, they're, they're a danger. Yeah, the uh, Munster Championship, uh, David Clifford held scoreless from play, but I think he did actually have two players inside his jersey, uh, to be fair. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it was about the only uh, uh, thing of merit that came from uh, uh, really 
unbelievably facile victory. Keelan Sexton was brilliant for Clare as they beat Limerick. And then the Leinster Championship, Paul. I mean, I'm trying to think of like what's kind of the big headline here. And really, it's Mead. And it's just been a complete shambles of a year for Mead. And I can imagine we have a lot of subscribers in Mead, a lot of listeners in Mead. The anger that they feel, I'm sure, uh, this morning must just be volcanic at how 2023 is gone. Yeah, and like if you think back to the first league Sunday, um, yeah, against were, Cork, yeah, yeah, uh, they were they were they were portrayed as a, a new mead a team playing a new way. Uh, Colin O'Rourke was um, doing every interview he could to to promote how good a performance was while trying to pretend he was playing it down. Um, it's it's just been like. They've had no structure through the last league games, right? Defensively, we've said that, right? Um, they, they, Shane Walsh has been missing. You know, he's obviously he, he had a really decent game that day, the first day out. You haven't seen much from since then. Um, but regardless of whether you have a good structure or not, it's just like the manner of their first half performance yesterday. It shows that they're not aligned as a group. Like they're not playing uh, for one another because if they were, just just on paper. That would be in a much tighter game, like, and you'd think, but even if they weren't set up as best they could, that they could be, um, it would be a tighter game, regardless of whether they're ahead or not. But to be obliterated, one four to no score, one eight to two points at half time. Okay, they recovered it a little bit, but you know, in any game where you've got a lead like that, it's uh, and and awfully probably just took the foot off the gas, went into okay, let's protect rather than go at it. So. There's a lot of question marks there for Colin Rourke. You can't be out of the game and just come back into it and think you can just adopt old principles of play, right? The game has evolved, and I'm like, and he, he like the, the the smartest thing he can do is to just to, to surround himself with people who who understand the concepts of what way, way new teams are setting up. He absolutely has the authority to set it up differently and bring a bit of innovation himself, but. You have to do that through the lens of what you're playing against the opposition and being aware, of it. and it just doesn't seem like he is in touch with that. Um, and look, going into the Talton Cup is an absolute calamity. You know, you sometimes you say, okay, no, it could be decent for a team's development or whatever. Not for me. It's like they've got a huge county. They're absolutely mad about their football. They're like, you know, their club scene is so competitive. They need to get. They need to get this right because um, you you can go on a slippery slope with these things. Like it's it's hard to sometimes undo uh, um, a wave of defeats or unsuccessful period. And they need to to figure this out because um, Leinster like needs a competitive meet as well. Yeah, and I mean, do you know there, there might be some people who say you know of like. You know, how how did Mead end up in the Tashin Cup? You know, and it's just like, well, that's where they are. That's the level of where they are. And you like you can't argue with it. Like the they've they had two chances. They had a chance through the championship, a chance through the league, and they blew both of them. They played terribly in both competitions. So there's there's not a lot you, you know, there's no argument you can construct to say that the the system has screwed them in some way. They've just been they've just been really, really bad. Yeah, no, yeah. they've been they've been there. Sorry, I'll, I'll just come on the one. I suppose that there's similar, um, probably we could make similarities between themselves and Kildare, maybe on it in terms of the years that they've they, they've had. But it seems like Kildare have just done enough to get their their house in order. They they they, they rallied at the end of the league, and they you know they've, they've managed to to overcome the you know the first games and games and 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 Leinster, but. 
Um, yeah, listen, I'm with Flunner on that. I mean, when you come in uh, to a role, I think it's important to know, it's important to kind of structurally keep things tight. You would think year one, introduce something that that that, that you know that you can rely on when the when the shit hits the fan essentially, but as it doesn't as it done in game as it does in games, and essentially that sometimes is your as you're defending. Um, and it's okay to say that yeah, we're going to play front foot football and try and outscore the opposition, but that is a difficult place to start to start from. Um, and I think you know, with me, that's about structurally getting something right that they can they can hang their hat on and, and say that we can we we can play in this way. And you know, take Leafs out of some of the other teams that have been successful over the weekend, Louth, Clare. You know, Derry have done it not too long ago, down, you know, just structurally setting themselves upright and they can all move in one, 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 one way, you know, because I'm sure a lot of them players would love to be playing under, are, are loving playing under Colin O'Rourke and, and wanting to play under him. Um, but just structurally in terms of setup, you need to be able to hang yourself in championship games and tough games in Division 2. You need to be able to hang your hat and say that we're able to keep a team to this to the score, you know. And I think more of what you said there in relation to the credibility he held, like I think he would have held a lot of credibility when he walked into the dressing room. But it's like anything in life, you you, you slowly lose that if you, you, you only can buy in so much. And players are like, there's so much access to information now. Like these guys are listening to podcasts or they're looking at how other teams are set up and they soon realize that this is not, this is not what top teams are doing right now. And we need to, okay, we're open for new things, but we need to, be broadly in line with what the top teams are doing. Yeah, you were very impressed finally, Paul, and briefly, but you were very impressed by Loud yesterday as well. And you look at what Mickey Hart has done with a county yeah. far lower than Mead, um, you know, it, over the course of the last uh, 30 or 40 years um, of championship football. And, but they have structure, they have a couple of very good forwards, they have size, and that's enough. You know, that's, a, that's been enough for Loud. Um, and, you know, the, Again, that's a game yesterday they could easily have lost and they they grounded out. This was a belter of a game of football. I swear, like um it wasn't on TV or anything like that and didn't get a lot of airtime, but it was it was just essentially your old school game of two halves. Westmead were dominant in the first half, played really well. Yeah, Loud had a couple of goal chances. Um but Westmead were playing like a um you could see Jason Sherlock's impact on them, like all very controlled attacks, you know, getting into one corner, recycling and getting to the other corner. They, they had some Beautiful scores in the first half, but then the second half it was just Leo came out and they just went for it. They pushed up on all the kickouts. They hunted the ball like that. Like their attitude shift was like was just chalk and cheese. You got Connor early in midfield as a unit, and he kicked two monster scores. Um, Sam Roy was 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 phenomenal, and they brought out they brought on Liam Jackson and Craig Lennon. They just brought this energy. You know, it was just completely different team and it was only one winner it was just you could tell from a mile out you know that there was only going to be one winner because the momentum was all with loud um absolute full va- full value for the victory pace purpose and like mickey hart impact there like getting promoted from division four to division three to division two and being really competitive in division two and then now this is the, probably the big step for them and if they win next week against offaly it'll be just you know, it'll be the ice, not the ice on the cake, but it'll be just another step in their development, which has been phenomenal. Um, I can't credit Mickey Hart enough for for the job he's done there. Yeah, you get you get kind of you, you know this is what I so admire about, and I don't I hate labeling these counties, but for a county that's coming, as Paul said, from Division Four to Division Two, 
and you know championship wins within Leinster against maybe somebody, and I'm sure Louth would probably say that they 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 themselves would have been comfortable maybe sitting on his favourites for that game against Westmead, but maybe on paper Westmead that little bit maybe more down the road, but they they don't use any excuses. They don't look at can we you know change the rules of the game? Can we you know change structures all the time? They take the thing into their own hands. They get their house in order. We've said this on numerous occasions mm-hmm. here today. They get somebody in who's a strong vision about how to play football and Mickey Hart, and they drive towards it with a group of players over the course of a number of years. And there's success mm-hmm. and rewards there to be to be got. You know, I keep reiterating Derry and how they've come. They've come in that pathway from four to two. No excuses. Get your own house in order. Louth have done it, um, and you know Down seem to be on the on the track of doing it here too. So. I think there's learnings there from other counties, you know, maybe including my own, to, to to basically take that that kind of principle in order and, and, and go and drive towards it, you know. Great stuff, lads. Uh, the dubs put 4.30 on. But unfortunately, we've ran out of time, Paul. We can't uh, go through oh, all... Yeah. <laughs> we can't go through all 42 of Dublin's points uh, at the weekend. We'll be talking about Dublin plenty over the course of the summer by the looks of things. I was mad uh, to chat about their 27th point there. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was that was a particular classic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Michael Murphy, Paul Flynn, thanks a million. Thanks, lads. It's like something you would expect to see in a porno Go down Temple Bar, you see them coming out of pubs, vomiting, mm. having sex on the side of the street. Like something you would expect to see in a porno movie. You know, is that the normal we want in this country? You know, we're supposed to be civilised. As far as I can see, this country is getting more barbaric. Well, I imagine it was like something you would expect to see in a porno movie. What would you see in you a know? porno movie, Mary? They say I'm greedy, but I still want more. Because my eyes want to journey some more. Really don't check it out. There was one guy who was just a master. Well, I, 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 I think he was being sincere. He was nevertheless a master wind-up merchant. His go-to strategy, no matter what point anyone made, was, "Are you a Christian?" <laughs> and somehow this just flummoxed everybody. <laughs> like they were like, uh, "No, well, kind of. I mean, not really, but like, sort of." I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was just, but like some people were claiming they wouldn't be bothering watching it. Uh, they would. Uh, I don't think I'll bother watching it next week, Joe. I don't think I will. And I was like, "You'll be watching. You'll be pulling the plum up here." We already have a football show out in the world, as the more eagle-eared amongst you may already know, but we did not have time to talk about some issues outstanding from the weekend. Uh, So now with a roundup of European football, we turn to our continental European football correspondent, also conveniently called... Ken Early. Cristiano is a leyenda de Real Madrid. Ken, it appears from uh, talking to you in the office this morning mm. that you watched a, even for you, utterly deranged amount of football this weekend. I did. I actually <laughs> just watched this. Oh my God, so much. <laughs> Starting on Friday night. Yes, with Arsenal Southampton. Uh, and continuing through Fulham Leeds, mm-hmm. uh, Liverpool. Against Nottingham who were they Forest. playing against? Southampton, Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest. Yep. Did I say? I think I might have said they were playing Southampton in the um, listen, earlier listen, podcast. Ken, you know, I mean, it's it's fine. It was Don't Forest. Worry about it. Yep. Um, 
then uh, Borussia Dortmund against Eintracht Frankfurt. <laughs> Have to say, I enjoyed. Wow. I enjoyed wow. the. Whoever was doing the commentary on BT... Yeah, Paul Dempsey. Paul Dempsey does a lot of uh, Bundesliga. I don't think this was Paul Dempsey because... You you can't... You'd never uh, 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 mistake Paul Dempsey for anyone else. No, it it wasn't Paul Dempsey. I, I, I don't believe that Paul Dempsey has the mastery of German pronunciation, Right. which this commentator who... I'm sorry that I, I didn't... Realize yep. I'd be, I would, I would look him up, uh, <laughs> but uh, I've never heard was anyone. Was it George Hamilton level? No, was it as good as George Hamilton? No, it was, it was better than George Hamilton, oh, but it was kind of more you, uncanny in a way. You take that back. No, no, it was because it there was, a, there was a little bit of that, but it was just the relish with which he yeah. pronounced. Well, George bloody loves it as well. To be fair, uh, but it was, it was also, it was also so seamlessly mixed in with his usual uh, English accent, the football patter. That that then every time he'd say something like Eintracht, and uh, <laughs> it was just this is this guy's really enjoying it. But there was obviously so many opportunities to mm. to do that with the sort of names of each player and different yeah. uh, things. What to do was with German it football being a German football game? Yeah. It was magic. Mm. It really, it really was. It was magic. <laughs> What's the highlight of your weekend? Honestly, I was enjoying it. I was really, I was in, I was. Uh, I had that game on. I, I think I was making some food at the time. Yeah, I was pottering around. Just yeah. going, oh, there he goes. Yes, because I, I, I feel. I mean, obviously, he's what he's doing is correct. Yeah, right. He's pronounce. He's he's pronouncing these words in the correct way, but it always sounds a little strange. I feel like an affect like George having to explain himself during World Cup ninety eight. But do you, do you, you have know, to explain? Yeah, yeah. But do you ever remember? I don't know how I remember. To be honest, why am I looking at you like you? I can't believe you don't remember this bit of commentary from a game twenty five years ago. But George, I think it was like was Fra- was uh, Denmark or Denmark was the Netherlands against Argentina? Yeah, it was a was that game? It played in Marseille the day of the yeah. World Cup. Well, I'm pretty sure this was the this was the game. The George literally was like, you know, I actually got the uh, plane down with some uh, Dutch fans, and they were explaining to me why my pronunciation of Yupstum is in fact correct. <laughs> Yupstum. <laughs> I was just like, George, don't you ever change? What an unbelievable flex this is! <laughs> it's like one of the best World Cup games ever played. And George also finds time to be like, uh, I'm correct. And yeah. all of you staring at home going, well, it's it's S-T-A-M, it's Stam, it's Yap Stam. Yeah. No, it's Yup Stam. Yeah, I mean, the, the classic one that's, that's always caused problems for me, you know, is um, is the name of the Russian president. Yeah. Putin. Yeah. But, but you, because t- you, you feel it's... Putin. Yeah. But I just kind of feel as though to, you know, to be saying a sentence and then to say the name of Putin. Yeah. In the Russian accent, but is in Putin, Putin is just such a you know. I, I but this this the BT sport commentator. Some of us have have transcended this kind of self consciousness and just yeah. pff, just say it. just say it the way it's meant to be said. Yeah, yeah. You know, is it is it really at the end of the day? Is it that complicated? Putin. Yeah, Putin. But Putin. watched a bit of City. I mean, that was that was kind of coterminous with mm. uh, some of the other stuff that was going on. But yeah, you know, of course. kind of I had a feeling about which way that was going to go and. City have got 16 penalties this season. How many do you think Arsenal have got? Uh, I'm talking all competitions here. Uh, f- 10. Four. Oh. Four. Only four for Arsenal. Because Interesting. If you look at Arsenal, they don't really have many sort of dribbly guys who might get a penalty. <laughs> they don't have it. Arsenal got four. Liverpool got four. Chelsea, five. Manchester United, five. Tottenham, seven. Mm. Manchester City, 16. 
Interesting. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, that is. It's uh, it's. I love those numbers. They They're got, strong numbers. They. I don't think they would have needed the one they got against Sheffield United. And then what happened? Okay, the next day, then there was more. Obviously, there was a Newcastle. Mm. Tottenham, which we've already talked yeah. about. I mean, that really left its mark. I mean, up until now, Eintracht Frankfurt aside, within the realm of decent behaviour. But you you didn't stop there, did you? You watched Napoli and you've Eintracht. Well, um, so it was a it was a big weekend in the, in the Bundesliga. I knew that, answer, I knew the yeah. Bundesliga. I knew that the Bayern. The reason I watched Dortmund Eintracht was that uh, Dortmund was that. Uh, Bayern had lost already to Mainz. They lost 3-1. Okay. Uh, Sadio Mane scored a goal. Bayern München. Uh, managed not to be offside. As they're, they're all, they're, oh, Mane is always offside. I was like, no, he's not the most offside player in the league, but he is in the top five. <laughs> um, and he has been injured for quite a while. This time he managed to score a goal from all of two yards. Uh, so you're telling me Dortmund are now top of the Bundesliga. They're top, yeah. They went, they went, they went top. I mean, this is after losing four 0 just a couple of weeks ago. Um, the whole Bayern situation has has turned into a total disaster for the people who made the decision to mm-hmm. get rid of Nagelsmann because since then the guy they brought in, the super coach, who was going to turn, who was going to, um, well, Nagelsmann had lost three times all season, and Tuchel's already lost three times. Mm-hmm. Um, two wins in the first seven games uh, and now the focus has turned to Oliver Kahn who pulled the trigger on Nagelsmann and it's like well this was your idea hmm. it's been a it's been a complete wreck it looks as though we may now lose the league and you know for the first time they, they, they're going for their 11th in a row I mean it's time somebody it's really is time someone else won the league um, but the standard has not been good um, I, I mean, I, sorry, I should have said Mainz scored three goals in like, I mean, the first was about 64 minute and then by 80 minutes it was 3-1 um, and, and Bayern were just gone. Mm. Uh, so there's five games left and Dortmund are, are a point ahead. Yeah, but look how many look how many points they've got. Um, yeah. who, whoever wins the title this season is going to have the lowest number of points since, I believe, 2011 which was the first season Jurgen Klopp won the title with Dortmund. And I think if either Bayern or Dortmund drops any more points in the remaining games, then it will be the lowest um, points total for more than 20 years. So it's been a kind of... Um, the top teams in Germany have lost a lot of consistency. Uh, I'm not sure why. I f- I'm telling you this as though it was something you might be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just, you know, I was thinking about. Look, I was going around my house by myself all all weekend. I know. My wife is away. See, this is what happens. She's she was away, and I I, I mean, what can I do? I could I couldn't. There was nothing. You, you scratched around for something fun to do, and, there was and all that came all that came into your all head was, was bun, the Bundesliga. I suppose there's another game on. <laughs> I suppose I should just. I suppose I should see what's happening in that. Yeah. This is what was happening to me. Oh, Ken, I'm sorry. Oh. It was, a bit, yeah. and she. You know what the worst thing was? She went on Saturday morning. She didn't even go on Friday. Mm. You didn't even have Friday night to. Oh, you know. But listen, we go again. <laughs> When's she back? Friday morning. Thir- uh, Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Friday morning. So, uh, but what? I, You're going to thank me for leading you down that rhetorical garden. Usually, path there, right? you know, I wouldn't be sitting down on on Sunday evening. You know, having mm. finished whatever work I was, and then to stick on Serie A. What's yeah. going on in Serie A? Yeah, it's yeah. usually it's literally this exact meme where the 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 woman is lying beside the man, and he she's thinking, "What's he thinking about?" And he's thinking, "Oh, you know, 
goal difference. So that's literally what you were doing. Well, I did. I did. I, it was uh, Juventus against Napoli. Mm. Um, so I, I stuck it on for like the last half hour. It was nil nil, and um, it was. But it was a pretty interesting game because obviously Juventus just got their points back. So they're 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 competing um, here for the for the Champions League and so on, um, but Napoli, who have effectively already won the league, I think can win the league in their next game. Uh, they're seventeen points ahead with seven games left. So if they win the next one, if they win the next uh, if they win the next game, and Lazio are the team, uh, yeah. if they if they win the next one, there's twenty one points to play for. So Napoli or Lazio could still technically, uh, I don't know, maybe they're playing Lazio in the next game. Either way, there's seventeen points ahead with seven games left. They have won the league, but Juventus have got Roma just behind them. Um, th- uh, they're currently three points behind with a game in hand. So they, so the points are important to them in terms of getting fourth spot they mm. may they may get another points deduction you know uh, before this is all finished but for now but also really important to them i think was the was the feeling of not losing to napoli and and by if you, napoli have come here oh napoli oh we're, we've heard all season we've been listening all season how great napoli are well, we saw them lose to milan you know when it was really yep. when the chips were down in the champions league they lost they bottled it against milan and now they come to juventus and they can't beat us and uh, you know they won the league but it was a bit of a down season a few points deductions here and there and napoli won the, but it's not it's not a real mm. you know so to win was really important for Napoli because this is kind of crowning the triumph in a way. It's like we went there and we beat them as well. Um, you don't have this feeling of, well, we've won the league, but we kind of yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't do it in the big games. And what eventually happened was, I mean, it looked like it was going to be nil-nil. It was in extra, it was in injury time. And then there was this amazing piece of play. Zielinski and Victor Osimhen just did, I mean, they kind of, managed to sort of like a, a tornado through the right side of the Juventus defense just swapping the ball with each other no one had any idea what was happening so the Juventus players are all they look like Tottenham players mm. um, Ossiman gets in it's a good save but before Juventus really can can you know, right themselves the ball goes over the other side then across and Raspadori is there at the far post of all he did so one nil it was just it was an amazing moment um, for for Napoli, just a huge celebration, and obviously there's been. There's, <laughs> I was looking at a video. I think it's Dan Credi Palmieri posted reposted some video of one of the Napoli players, I guess, videoing at the back of the bus. As I think they, it was Anguissa, I think. Oh, Anguissa, yeah. as they go through a tunnel, and there's just this like Mad Max like uh, <laughs> horde of Vespas, <laughs> like just the entire tunnel is just full of this swarm of uh, little motorbikes. Uh, following them and uh, following them through the tunnel yeah, and so pretty like, amazing. So, yeah, it was great. But I mean, I, I do. I mean, since we were since we um, posted our other part today, I can see. I mean, we we finished that talking about Harry Kane and his position. Um, I see that since then, Matt Law at the Telegraph um, is saying uh, Manchester United launch initial moves to begin Harry Kane transfer bid. Um, Manchester United have started to make attempts to find out what it will take to sign <laughs> Harry Kane. With expectation increasing, the striker will not sign a new Tottenham Hotspur contract this summer. Um, Telegraph Sport understands United plan to bid for Kane and the due diligence ab- over what his price tag might be and how to handle negotiations with Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy has already begun. Which is, you know, interesting in the sense that, like, it seems quite preliminary, you know, due diligence. Mm. What would it take 
to sign? How could we speak to Daniel Levy? Does anyone have his number? Just um, a lot of people in uh, smart suits standing in front of a whiteboard with a cane and a circle okay, and yeah. then just like little spokes coming mark. out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, no such thing as a bad idea, everyone. Let's have a discussion about this. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I feel as though this wouldn't be great. Well, when I, when I see Victor Osman do something like he did at the end of that game, I think that's the guy you should go for. Mm. You know, if you... If you've got a lot of money to spend on a on a centre forward, spend it on one who's not already thirty years old. Mm. Which Kane, okay, he isn't until uh until the summer. Mm. But he will be then. So it's a case of you know, do you really want to do that? Like, um would it not be better to would it would would Harry Kane not have been a great player to sign in twenty sixteen rather than twenty twenty three? Yeah, I kind of, that's what I feel about it. But uh, according to Matt Law, the Daily Telegraph, um, they still think this would be. And Daniel Levy, uh, he says, is going to look for at least 100 million, mm. which for a player in the last year of his contract. I mean, ca- have you not done enough to me, Levy? Have you not, <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Have, could you not just give me a break mm. at some stage? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's it for this show. The presenter's chair, which I have respectfully left empty today, will be filled, and I mean filled, by Owen on tomorrow's show. In the meantime, thanks many for listening, and remember that the Second Captain's podcast is part of the Simon Acast Creator Network. The Acast Creator Network. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.